Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, an artist in South East London, and I started this podcast to keep us artists in touch under lockdown and now as we come out of it in various forms. I wanted to talk to other artists about the impact on the artistic community and explore what's changed, what's lost and what's been discovered. This is a special episode commissioned by Castlefield Gallery in Manchester as an extension of their current show, Soft Bodies, which never opened physically due to the lockdown. Megan Snow and I are both in that show and come together with the writer Raj Parameshwaran to discuss Soft Bodies and all that this theme evokes and its particular relevance at this strange time. As part of this episode, we feature a track by Semi Precious, present in Jake Moore's video piece from the show. The gallery are hoping to open in August. Following this episode, there will be a short piece of writing in response to our discussion and its themes, written by Raj, available at the gallery's website, castlefieldgallery.co.uk. So in this episode, Megan Snow and Raj Parameswaran and I talk about confusion and low humidity, about being miserable but otherwise fine, and about nuptial flying ants. Megan and Raj are in the US, still restricted under COVID-19, and we mention the adjustment to the realisation that this situation is long-term, a marathon. Megan gets into her sensuous self-portraits, questioning how we can inhabit non-physical spaces and whether, with the increase in online presence, there can be a sensual element of our online selves. She talks about her drawings that feature in the Castlefield exhibition, which are made directly and without planning or intention and created through meditative blending and form-finding. We describe these forms, sometimes piercing or entering one another, and connect this to the undefended human spaces, vulnerable to invisible germs, the virus, and recently, police violence. We talk about arousal and disgust, and look into Megan's A Wipe, a sensual celebration of bodily detritus. We delve into some of Raj's short stories and consider what can safely be removed from the body and what does it then become. We talk about societal body trash and the physical implications of our Zoom image shed all over the web. We talk about phantom limb treatment, healing things from images and Megan's ticklish drawings. We talk about thinking with your mouth, chewing as a trigger, and language as sensual. We talk about skinlessness and skin as a haptic canvas. We talk about intimacy and invasion and how to bridge the gaps. We talk about skin shedding and the expansive self. We talk about dirty laughing at your own drawings, picking your nose as a sensory experience, processing zones, and the different ways the body can be penetrated. We talk about the limits of signification and the body as a hard limit and celebrate our love and use of language. We talk about the importance of community, the spirit of activism and the feeling of being connected and intimate with strangers through protest. With special thanks to Gas Prendergast and Helen Weora at Castlefield Gallery. And thanks to Jake Moore and Semi Precious for the closing track. Thank you for joining us for Chats with Artists under lockdown. Hello, Megan Snow and Raj Parameshwaran. Hi, Emma. Hi. 
Hi. Oh, it's it's really good to be having this conversation. Uh, I'm very excited. I have to almost control myself and get going. Um, so, Megan, I'm going to start with you. How are you feeling? Oh, um, I'm feeling, I think, a general um, state of, like, low-level confusion most of the time. <laughs> but... Um, Today, it's a fresh day. There's low humidity. And so um, I would say low-level confusion with a splash of optimism. That's how I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling today, specifically. Like so, yeah. And Raj, what about you? Um, as I like to say I'm miserable, but otherwise fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Uh, I'm just sort of like settling into the the long-term aspects of this situation, which has been sobering. You know, I think up to this point, there was a kind of like a, like a, maybe a, I had a hope that this might be more of a short-term, people were sort of like, there was a little bit of a, um, you know, uh, there was a certain hopefulness or optimism that this might get sorted out. But I think now it's settling in on people that this is this is a marathon and so that's requiring a different mm -hmm. different kinds of thinking yeah no, yeah. Definitely. yeah absolutely and different kinds of energy maybe too yes exactly yeah. yeah um i just wanted to reference that point about humidity i like that it's low humidity <laughs> i always love like weather barometers as a measure of energy and things as well um <laughs> yeah, emotional climate um but today i don't know if it's happening anywhere else in the world but in london particularly there's it's the day of the flying ants which <gasps> um, is very exciting and also oh. terrifying wow um, so it's the day where the ants go on a on a nuptial flight. So it's the male ants and the the princess, the sort of <gasps> young the young queens. But wow. essentially, you're walking around. There's just loads of like flying ants, which is quite scary. Oh, that's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's quite scary. But it happens in on a day of high humidity and after a wet day. So um, I thought that was quite an interesting uh, counterpoint to some of the things we're going to be talking about. Yeah. especially given we're speaking to this idea of the body and um and also maybe the awkward body and the kind of transitions of the body and the, the stand-ins and the bits that fall off like the idea of acquiring wings for a day so that you can go and have sex in the air yeah it sounds like one of Raja's short stories as well which is really exciting to me yeah um I've just been immersing myself in Raja's short stories um which I definitely would suggest you all do, especially on the day of the flying ants. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, I, I wanted to, to um, kind of introduce the, the conversation by rooting it in this idea of soft bodies. So this um, episode specifically has been commissioned by, as a special episode, by Castlefield Gallery in Manchester. Um, and the theme of the exhibition that is on currently, which is sort of on hold as we all are to some extent, and is coming out of lockdown and trying to decide how it can be seen, is called Soft Bodies. Um, and Megan and I were introduced through that show. So we are both in that show, um, in some ways hypothetically in it, because neither of us have seen it. <laughs> and, um, and the work has been transported there without us and now sits um, in a way that is not um, penetrable, not seen, not touched, not experienced, not lived with. Um, so I guess I just was interested to, to get into that idea of soft bodies and our responses to that in terms of maybe some of these feelings of energy and the marathon. Um, I'm maybe going to direct that towards um, Megan to talk about 
some of the work specifically in the show. Mm. Yeah, I um, so the drawings that uh, I sent to be um, part of the soft body show in Manchester um, are part of a series of what I've come to consider self portraits. Um, and uh, at present, I just call them body drawings, <laughs> because they have this sort of intimate um, kind of physicality to them, but they're abstract um, uh, shapes, I suppose. But I see them as um, portraits, self-portraits of a uh, sensual self that um, doesn't necessarily inhabit the kind of physical reality that my... Uh, my body inhabits but mm-hmm. might come from other spaces that my self either my personality or you know whatever sort of content I put out into the world um, might inhabit and and it's it's uh, it's this idea that it's been it's been years that I've tried to pinpoint language around it so I apologize if it sounds kind of convoluted but essentially I am working under the premise that you know we inhabit uh, ourselves inhabit non-physical spaces like emotional spaces, digital spaces. And if, you know, our senses of selves inhabit that space, um, you know, it, it basically I have a question that, that is, you know, is there a sense, a sensual or sensory um, mm-hmm. element of ourselves that is also in that space? So, mm-hmm. You know, like for the digital, we have online personalities, we have, we create a life, whether, you know, it's literally through role playing online games, I don't play those things, but I know a lot of a lot of people do. So whether it's Mm. building a literal avatar and version of a self on a digital platform, or if it's just, you know, our Instagram content, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of sense of self or elements of yourself that inhabit a, a non- you know, um, physical day-to-day, you know, uh, like eating, breathing, shitting kind of, <laughs> kind of mm. space. Um, and if there is a sensual, um, you know, body, air quotes, that inhabits those kinds of spaces, how might I, you know, give a f- visual representation to that element of myself? So wow. kind of a complicated <laughs> kind of like, where the heck did that come from? Mm. Um uh, rabbit hole sort of um, premise, but that that's my my starting point for these drawings that I sent um, to Castlefield Gallery. And they're in pen, they're like made it rendered in pencil, right? So they're yes. I, I'm interested in this idea of touch, I suppose. But I mean, maybe heightened under this these conditions. But this idea of accessing the self through this through drawing, through the sense mm-hmm. of touching a, and the sound of pencil and the the you know the kind of um, the tactile experience of drawing exactly yeah which is a very sensual yeah yeah sorry go ahead no no um I I just was interested in how drawing specifically kind of could is there a state that you get into like is it the drawing taps into that and it's like meditative or is it conscious I'm going to sit down and and draw to access this space like how is how has it come about and how have these drawings um emerged and I guess I should just say that they to me they feel like um biomorphic forms like there's these almost um organic but also potentially uh threatening 
two forms that maybe balance each other or could invade each other and obviously I'm mm-hmm. then thinking about the virus um and right. these like viruses <laughs> that kind of look like that to some extent they look like drawn forms that could um infiltrate or alter or um bounce off or affect each other so um right. yeah so the forms themselves and how you're accessing that uh, that in terms of drawing I'm interested in um they definitely started uh without a clear um, assignment or intention. Um, I've been drawing similar forms for years and years and um, didn't really, initially they started as an exercise for myself to um, move away from a a decided intention behind artwork because I found, um, you know, right right at the beginning of uh, my um, I guess, quote unquote, professional or like um, journey into uh, art making, I found I would so often get caught up in the concepts, the ideas and, you know, the mission and the plans and just think, think away or, you know, plan mm-hmm. away the, the, the passion or the, you know, organic um, feeling um, behind art making and I would sort of lose my, lose my spirit in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So they started as um, just, uh, the work that I, I've been um, trying to do for myself mostly uh, getting um, allowing uh, space and building a practice of um, listening to my um, you know creative intents that are not necessarily conscious or not necessarily you know uh, articulated first before mm-hmm. making you know so it definitely um the process of of doing the the graphite versions of these drawings um because there are pen and ink drawings uh of a similar style as well but the mm-hmm. graphite ones in particular very very meditative um it's a there's a lot of shading and uh <clears throat> and blending and um you know it's a slow 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 process that yeah is, is very meditative Mm-hmm. Um, and the forms themselves, um, I, I don't sketch them out first. I, I draw them on the, you know, the, the page that becomes the drawing mm-hmm. and um, try to just, just find either a tension or a balance or, a, you know, just like a dynamism that feels right and then follow through with it, um, mm-hmm. which generally is, is like a... a one of my bigger life challenges beyond <laughs> art making, you know, so mm-hmm. not to make it too big, but, but yeah, that's, that's where it comes from. And then, um, when I first, uh, was asked to exhibit these drawings, you know, I was asked some questions about, you know, what, what, what's the meaning behind them? What are they? How they, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel about them? Mm-hmm. And then at that point I did some more like kind of conscious reflection on the, you know, what concepts might be, um, driving me to make them and, mm-hmm. and thus, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it started by with an organic practice that is definitely meditative and that, um, yeah, it wasn't conscious or Mm -hmm. wasn't like a a decision. But people have definitely said, oh, they look like, you know, you've made things that you may have seen through a microscope or they Mm -hmm. look like, Mm, you know, yeah, like they have this weird kind of physical like this. um, uh, Yeah, this weird. What did you say? They're a little ominous almost sometimes or a little threatening, Threatening. Mm -hmm. um, but also really like. Um, like intimate because sometimes some of the one form is actually and looks like it's entering or piercing or you know or merging from 
another form. So, um, yeah, a lot of I've had some really interesting uh, responses to them um, that I didn't consider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, but but I don't disagree with. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm because um, I, I was asked I was asking some kind of the questions that, that I was sending to both of you to have this conversation, and they've evolved quite a lot, I think. But um, one of the things that I was sort of coming back to was the soft body. And mm-hmm. I think I just wanted to ask Raj directly because I think some of the, your responses were so in line with some of the things that just that Megan's just been saying, but also kind of make it relevant to the moment in a way. Maybe we, we're reading these images now slightly differently. So I just wondered, um, this idea of soft targets, um, some of those reflections that you were making, maybe you could go into those for us. Uh, sure. When I heard the, the soft bodies, I just... It it's uh, evocative of the vulnerability, you know, of the the soft parts of our bodies. And I thought of soft targets that really awful for us from um, uh, from war that we've we've probably heard too often, which is a sense of undefended human spaces or even mm-hmm. you know human bodies that uh, um, and which really brought it back to how many of us are feeling now, which is as like vulnerable human bodies moving through space, um, um, trying to uh, protect ourselves physically. Um, and then this is compounded, um, I think, by the um, like police violence we've seen recently, mm-hmm. racist violence, um, this sense that bodies themselves have become sort of, we've been become refocused on how vulnerable we are uh, as bodies and how present we are socially as bodies and um, in a real physical, threatening, vulnerable way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting also on a day-to-day, um, at least over here in New York, uh, with the isolation, um, it feels, at least for me, you know, awkward and maybe not quite threatening anymore, but just... Um, anxiety-inducing to be in physical close proximity to yeah. another body now, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah. which, you know, living in a, in, a, in a city like New York, you just kind of get used to, you know, mm. like always, you're, at least before, it was a very normal thing to be, um, you know, not, like balancing the inevitable, um, you know, close proximity, but also this, like, I don't know, like New York stereotype, I think, which is you, you give everybody enough space. Like everybody's Mm -hmm. trying to respect each other's boundaries, Mm -hmm. but also we got to be close to one another, you know, Mm -hmm. like like you, you, yeah. Balancing that was just part of the day, day to day life. And now (laughs) lately, gosh, darn, (laughs) Mm. if you're more than six feet, you know, or you're less than six feet from me, who, who the but, heck do you think you are? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's that thing about it's. It's. I. I keep. I hate to bring this back to the flies again, but this idea about the flying ants. Um, I uh, think that idea of the violent, like, well, the fact that the I guess them as a metaphor, because that's kind of how I think. But the idea that they were flying today and just walk. I was like walking earlier and seeing kids like stamping on them, and yeah. people who don't understand what they're doing just going, "What is with these? They're so annoying. They're in my space. They're mm. itchy." 
um they uh, but actually what i'm interested that what they're trying to do is have sex right so they're trying to fly <laughs> and have sex right. so um i mean not to not to undermine the violence which is real yeah. because it, it's yeah. about someone not understanding what's happening right so no the fact that even i was like what is happening i had to kind of google this obviously i've just had lots of googling this morning about finance but um that idea that we we threaten something we don't understand and we attack mm. or even like extinguish is is obviously very difficult but I think um well it's also that it's sort of that human condition thing which I think a lot of Raj's texts bring out that idea of like the horror of what we're capable of in such small gestures that we don't really mm. uh, necessarily right. think about because, and, yeah. I think your paintings often evoke that for me because it's they seem you're sometimes you can't tell whether people are being intimate or being violent with each other they seem to those impulses yeah. are confused mm. in your paintings for sure and I think they're also like blurred and hugely linked you know the signs of affection are often so close to the signs of <laughs> you right. know signs of gesture and body language like um one great example is for me there's a there's a wrestling move called a hook line and sinker uh, sorry called a, a stone cold stunner stunner which is where <laughs> you kind of get someone in a headlock and then slam them to the floor and you can mm. actually kill someone doing that I did it on my little brother when I was younger and <laughs> I would not I would not recommend it it was really scary and he was definitely oh. conscious for too long but oh. um, but the the idea that you could if you get someone in a headlock as a kid and then they ruffle their hair it's like yes. affectionate couples sometimes do that thing of like almost hooking each other into each other around necks which I yeah. find some people do that so yeah I'm really interested in those boundaries which I guess is also what we're talking about and how they are threatened or or comforted too um you know I I honestly feel like young boys often that's the only way they can show physical affection to (laughs) each other by by fighting with each other yeah (laughs) always like punching each other or you know wrestling with in in school hallways and it's not it's because they don't I don't think they feel comfortable just giving each other a hug yeah yeah definitely definitely Mm. but I think it's it's interesting how um these things become sexualized too I mean often Mm. my work's not really about the erotic directly but I'm often interested that people's response the first reading is is that it's about sex um Mm. and I think that ties in really in a really interesting way with what Megan's trying to do with uh, you know this investigation into like the the erotic self or the non-site um or as how to how to get into these erogenous zones. Um, I don't know if you want to speak a bit more about this, um, Megan, because I know it gets yeah. into somewhere quite personal about accessing a sensual side or a sensual self and where yeah. that is, how to access it in the body, where it is in the body. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've always been interested, uh, or I've, I've in recent years become conscious of the fact that I've always been interested in like this tension between um, arousal and disgust Mm -hmm. or not, not, but not necessarily in a, like a fetish sort of way, just in a, in a, um, as the term that I like to use about some of my writing, um, soft core raunch sort of way. So one, one step pre erotic, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just sort of this like mild, like, arousal but also kind of curiously um put off by (laughs) certain things (laughs) um so I think that tension is really interesting um and I think at least for me and in my life Mm -hmm. I I I experience those that um kind of 
somewhat of a dichotomy um, combination of feelings quite often. So, mm. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's one thing that motivated some um, stories that I wrote uh, in a series of short stories. Um, the series is called A Wipe, which is um, uh, one of the stories in that series is, is um, that's the title of one of the, the stories. Anyway, so they're all about, um, there's sort of a, a sensual celebration of bodily detritus and um, kind of like body trash and the bits and pieces of our body that, you know, fall off, mm -hmm. you know, unbeknownst to us, or um, that um, that we may otherwise think of as, like, icky or gross or, um, you know, just, like, uh, yeah, trash, like body mm -hmm. trash that needs to be cleaned up. But it's still part of the very normal... Um, functioning of and necessary functionings of our physical bodies. Um, so that's something that I've I've always found fascinating and really intimate. Um, and, and just and, to, sorry, yeah. just to be clear, I just wanted to say because when when I was asking you what you meant by that in our first conversation, you were like, oh, you know, like dandruff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, like dandruff, dandruff is sexy. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, um, one of those stories is about, like, eye crust that gathers, you know, mm -hmm. like, on your eyelashes at the edges of your eyes, um, in particular, you know, when you're sleeping. So, you know, it was fun writing those stories. I got to research, like, what is that stuff? Or, like, how does that happen? <laughs> like, what does, what's earwax anyway? So, um, <laughs> to sort of get a little, just dip my toe slightly into that, you know, the science part, and then run wild with the, like, um, almost... Again, I try to not go go too far into fetish the fetish uh, zone, but just sort of like a uh, a curious, um, yeah, curious uh, kind of sensual celebration is how I would. This is that. bringing me directly to like I mean it's it's a link in many ways to to Raj's short story is called Strange um, about a, a, a basically a doctor who decides to be to well sorry a, a man called Gopi who decides to um become a doctor without being trained without any training so mm. a charlatan doctor who is in a charade to pretend to be something he isn't but he obviously has implications and there's one episode in that that I just maybe want Raj to talk about a bit in terms of this idea of the fetish or the body or the like off cast the cast off um in terms of when there's a bit of fat in his arm that's removed mm -hmm. I don't know if you could just talk about like how you I don't know about that and that story and how you came to that specific bit of the body that could be removed without implications, yeah. although there are implications in the story. <laughs> right. Well, I've been thinking about, you know, because like um, Megan was saying, I sometimes I write these scenes, they feel very deeply felt and intuitive, but I'm not really sure what they mean. And I hope sort of by the, in the process of writing that will become clear, or some reader will read it and figure it out for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, definitely. Could you please but, figure this out for me? Thank you. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's funny when you get uh, sort of Amazon reviews psychoanalyzing you and you realize, actually, you don't want people trying to do that. But that actually, um, in the scene, in the, in the story, the um, this untrained charlatan doctor uh, uh, is performing his first surgery and his, uh, the, his poor hapless uh, victim has this lump of 
fat in his arm that is just sort of sitting there and needs to be removed. And it's some. It it's actually comes. I've never I've never discussed this from a very vivid memory of a of an uh, uncle of mine who had the same thing. And he was a mm -hmm. he was a pretty young and playful guy, and he had this. Um, it's sort of like a golf ball or an avocado pit sized lump on his arm. He had it removed and he brought it home. He brought oh, it home. Oh, oh, yes. It was like you were saying, like as a little kid, it was like exhilarating and disgusting and yeah. horrifying, fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it really left a big <laughs> impression, apparently, because I, I, I put it in a story many years later. Um, but I think there is a sense of, in. Uh, uh, in that scene, apparently, uh, it's, it's sort of like, yeah, the parts of us that are not really necessary, like mm -hmm. what is, what makes us, where, where are our boundaries, what can safely be removed? Mm. And then what is that thing, once it is out of us, you know, what, what is that now? Is it, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and I think, I mean, I could probably go on and on on this theme, but it, <laughs> it, it's sort of like, you know, I was thinking, you know, about uh, also, you know, body trash and you know, societally, you know, sort of the people who we regard as a part of us and who are the people who are outside of that boundary and how we sort yeah. of define the limits of uh, our own uh, social and cultural systems in a, in a similar way. Mm -hmm. We sort of mm -hmm. excise parts of us and we say, well, that's not us anymore. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I was thinking also, Megan, about what you were talking about. Um, earlier about the, you know, sort of the physical implications of our, of our sort of Zoom presences or Instagram presences mm -hmm. and, you know, all these images we're leaving around of ourselves, which you could think of as a kind of detritus or body trash of some, mm -hmm. of some, and I was, it just brought to mind while you were talking this, this way of treat, this treatment for phantom limb pain, I don't yes. you know, sometimes they're, they have limbs amputated, they feel pain in that empty space where the limb used to be. And mm -hmm. they have a therapy, which is mirror therapy, which <laughs> the patient looks like they put a mirror down there, the midline of their body. So it looks, when they look in the mirror, I don't know how they set it up exactly, but the mirror creates the illusion that they have two full limbs. Mm -hmm. And then by massaging the image in the mirror or by sort of seeing that it, it's whole and it's not actually wounded, they can, they can resolve that pain. Uh, mm. So this idea of feeling things through through these um, through the image is a very real phenomenon, you know. And your drawings, okay. like they feel ticklish in a very intimate and physical way. When I look at them, I you know they they sort of capture that dynamic in some way. Oh yay! That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think this this concept of like haptic visuality is super fascinating you know um or you know the, the yeah feeling like feeling having your sense of touch triggered by an image either in a yeah. you know, phantom limb or or yeah. otherwise I, I mean laura you marks wrote about it in in regards to film but i just think that from that idea just any <laughs> like one sense triggering an experience of another mm, I think mm, is super mm, fascinating mm. because to me it suggests there there are so 
many, I mean, and this is an obvious statement, but there are so mm. many ways to experience your body. And there are so many different um, kind of versions of physicality and a physical experience of the world. That's what that suggests <laughs> to me. You know, it isn't just, I taste it, you know, I taste a peanut and that's what that is. I don't know. It's going through my, uh, it, I don't know. It's not just the, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. This is it's getting the, really complicated. No, in my no, brain, it, but it's, it's great. <laughs> actually, it brings me to a quote from Raj directly, um, which is that um, he feels that he's, he, I think you wrote, um, I think with my mouth, eating uh-huh. so this idea of like um I just like I wanted to think about that like you think uh-huh. of your mouth what does that mean can you get more into that and this idea of tearing open a body and getting inside or even eating it so like yeah. consuming a fictional body or your own body maybe but if you could yeah can you get into that <laughs> um I do you know I I, I realized this when I was uh, I was doing this fellowship at a at a um library we have sort of a shared office space and there was a kitchen um Mm -hmm. and i went whenever i had a pause in my writing i was in the kitchen and i was eating something and uh, and people would um sort of joke about me always yeah and i and i would say you know i actually think with my mouth i have to be chewing something in order for my my brain to work but i also think it's also i'm sorry no, I was going to say, I thought, I thought you meant it metaphorically. I love that I it's did. literal. <laughs> it's, it is. I mean it. I think I mean it in, in every way. I mean, it actually triggers something. I think there's some connection. Like, people like to smoke when they're thinking or, you know, drink tea. But it's also, um, um, you know, I think of language as something very sensual and very, um, you know, it is, uh, it's very abstract, but it's also something that we make with our mouths and we, um, mm-hmm. It's sort of something that we actually can feel on our tongues. And it, I think in the same way, often in my writing, there are uh, images and scenes of eating and of food. And I, um, I wrote uh, written essays about food in which I refer to food as sort of an edible language, because I think it does, it has all of these cultural associations and histories and um, um, it's loaded with significance, but we process them entirely kind of pre-verbally in our mouth um, mm. and that feels very uh, true to me and I think in in my uh, fiction I'm in some way trying to get back to that that moment or that sensation uh, in the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah I was going to say in terms of building a narrative it feels like it's also a device because in some ways the narrative is built because something is eaten so like for instance a character disappears because they've been eaten <laughs> so then <laughs> The next thing has to happen because this character doesn't exist anymore and because you've been eaten there's now a different type of energy or a lack or a different type of desire that's moving the narrative forward um i'm thinking particularly in the this the main the story about the tiger uh, right, exactly, mm-hmm. right yeah tigers you know tigers are there is a story in in my short story collection that is about a tiger and uh uh, I think maybe what appealed to me about the tigers is that they do, they really do seem to be creatures who um, process the world through eating. Or that's how I imagine this tiger to be expressing love through um, this very physical way, and you know, you know, sort of doesn't know the boundary between affectionate, say, affectionate licking and nibbling and violent 
uh, without <laughs> no <laughs> and it's um, um, I think it's also becomes a figure for what um, I want language to do sometimes mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. you know you want you know this is why I have so much um, envy of visual artists because I, I, I feel like I'm always trying to push um, language to have this sort of physical sensual effect that seems to be much more of a, a, a natural part of, of visual art making. Mm. And so I think means of sort of bodily penetration and consumption are, mm. they sometimes feel like um, I'm just trying, try, I'm, uh, I'm actually depicting what I want the language itself to be doing. You know, totally. sort of, yeah. This reminds me of what Olivia, Olivia Sudek, Sudek said about uh, she wrote uh, to find skinlessness communication on paper was why she reads. And I just wanted to think about skinlessness, um, which we'll get into in a minute, in terms of your writing, Megan, and in terms of maybe even the, the, the drawings and the way they come together as well. It's like you've taken away the skin and we've got like the bones and the, the, the tendons or something. But also maybe paint as skin is interesting. Um, but there's a quote in one of, in, in that story specifically, I hope you don't mind me reading this and I hope I don't do not do it justice, Raj. But it's, wow. um, uh, I think it's a really amazing idea of this penetration because it's also in this quote, it's a metaphorical penetration. It's not someone being killed or something, a hand mm -hmm. actually going into a body and pulling something out. So it says, uh, and I realized that as he pet, so this is the, sorry, this is oh. the, the tiger speaking. Yeah. Do, you, do you know this quote? Do you want to do it or shall I do it? <laughs> oh, you, you do I'll it. Do it. Okay. Okay. Um, so this is the tiger speaking. And I realized that as he pet me, he was beginning to crush my head like wet sludge in his hand. His fingers were deep in my brain and he was massaging it into a pulp. And it felt good in a way, but it also terrified me because I knew I would soon be lost in oblivion. And I just think that is like the idea of your head being crushed by someone patting it and that they're going right. into your brain and your head becomes sludge. Yeah. And you know, the idea, all those metaphors of massage, pulp, sludge, brain, thought, um, love, desire, crushing. Um, you've like removed the skin of the tiger somehow and the skin, the threshold. Um, so with that as a rooting, <laughs> could we? <laughs> Could um maybe maybe I could ask Megan first to just think about the idea of skinlessness and and respond in terms of your own work and and maybe the bigger questions around this erotic tapping in, hmm, or the erogenous maybe. Erotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I mean, in in specific response to massage and the act of <laughs> massaging, um, I did a a, a site specific installation, um uh that was commissioned in Helsinki Finland where um uh I made a series of 3D animated videos of actually forms uh that are very similar to the drawings that are in the soft bodies exhibition um and I made a window kind of a shop window installation that mimicked um the aesthetic of uh in the neighborhood where it was installed, there were a lot of, uh, a number of um, massage parlors that were uh, known for uh, providing services that were beyond just um, a muscle, muscle <laughs> relaxant. Okay, so yes. Um, and I was fascinated by the suggestion 
of erotic action as, you know, just the suggestion or the sort of, um, the not the, the subtle or non-explicit suggestion of an erotic experience being, uh, uh, inspiring, uh, an erotic sensation, you know, just the, Mm. just the, 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 um, uh, it's this kind of like even maybe the opposite of skinlessness, but like Mm. the, the, the suggestion of, you know, um, being naked and, you know, having sex or whatever, um, Mm. the suggestion of that being equally, if not more, uh, arousing actually than Mm-mm. the act itself, the explicit act itself. So, um, so I the, had these animated forms, um, kind of go kind of pulsing in and out of, of that, you know, themselves and, and, um, performing, um, uh, kind of the sensual motions again and again and again, but they're abstracted forms. They're not actual, like, I wasn't like, here's some videos of some people having sex. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were, they were suggesting that rhythm and that motion and that, um, you know, like massaging, uh, and more, um, sort of, uh, experience. So, uh, I just think that that was an interesting word to come up and, um, from your writing Raj and, um, and I have a, a direct <laughs> link to that that mm-hmm. idea of massaging. Um, but in terms of skinlessness, I don't know. I, I guess, I don't know if I've actually thought of it in that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the skin as a, as a kind of like a, a haptic, um, you know, canvas is interesting. Um, but I think I haven't thought too much about um, kind of the tendons themselves or the, and our organs or everything that's inside, um, specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but I want to now, I definitely (laughs) where my brain's going now. (laughs) Um, I love the, well, I mean, it's also the way my brain goes to like, um, you know, the anatomy. So everything it's like, like inside out, outside in. And I guess I'm wondering, Raj, is that how you're thinking? Are you th- or is it about this, the emotion, the sensation of putting your hand on someone's head? Like, which, or is it all of that? Yeah, I think it, it, I think it is all of the above. I mean, that, that, uh, that's, that brief bit you wrote was um, uh, a dream, I think, that the, the tiger was having or something he was imagining, uh, which was this, the, this the human that he he loves actually yes. um, kind of sort of communing with him in this in this way that was at first intimate and then became sort of invasive in a way that wasn't clear whether it was, like he said, comforting or terrifying or probably both, which mm. I think captured uh, um, what is for him the like the, the, you know, the terror and the beauty of love and of communing with uh, another um human being and how I guess these physical acts and sensations can can capture that horror and that beauty and that fear and that you know that tension at the um um at the same time there's sort of like the the um um you know sort of skinlessness of vulnerability the intimacy that you might be able to achieve or this tiger is imagining that he might be able to achieve which he's not at all sure that uh he wants I mean there's something that is there, there, for him, it's sort of close to death in this image that he's imagined. Mm, mm, exactly. And, I mean, uh, yeah. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say it's, it's it's interesting to me then hearing you say that that that's the quote I picked out. <laughs> it says a lot maybe about um, you know what I'm responding to too in those senses of that tension right between those two extremes of like death yeah. and falling in love and and right. also maybe that idea of giving in like the words crush and sludge. Uh-huh. I feel like there's a there's a kind of um, a giving into resistance or a pressure a weight. Right, um, which is very much something that within obviously within painting, but even with as bodies as like a lean or a, a you know we've had to sort of I feel like that point at the beginning about um, this moment of the, realizing that it's going to go on longer, right? Than we thought this this idea of the ah, marathon. Right. It's somehow mm-hmm. this relinquishing of control as well, this giving yeah, in, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, all this. So I think those those specific words maybe, um, and even pulp to some extent, because it has the potential to become something else, um, right. but it's no longer what it was. Um, I'm also interested. Um, I think it's bringing me to this idea of two bodies um, who are maybe foreign bodies in terms of. I mean, it's interesting in terms of viruses, right? Foreign bodies coming into contact with our bodies and then um, having this kind of reaction, which is often very um, destructive. Um, And in a lot of your stories, Raj, it seems to me it's often about two things coming together which don't naturally, I mean, I mean that in terms of of nature, like um, a tiger and a human. Um, Right. um, And I think that was also relevant in Megan's work to some extent it's things that we don't like even the dandruff and sexual you know being turned on by dandruff like or being <laughs> it's different bodies different bits of things being brought together um mm-hmm. so I just wondered maybe I was going to ask Raj first about that these idea of the two two yeah foreign bodies maybe these two yeah I mean I think I, that is one of the things that I uh drew me to the writing about this situation which is a, a tiger being in a zoo who is surrounded by people mm-hmm. um I mean that you know it was sort of the story is about that Mm. on a literal level but it also felt evocative of kind of the immigrant condition or the you know that any encounter between two two groups or types of people who don't you know not really familiar with each other but find themselves in a very intimate connection um that that sense of uh of difference and foreignness and how do you communicate how do you bridge that gap um in a productive way that doesn't end up your differences don't end up uh destroying you um, so yeah it, it, it's very much part of uh, uh, what interested me in that and I think it's really you know I, I um, I'm connecting it now to the, uh, the the other ideas that we've been been talking about this mm. you know I, I was reading just recently that that um, you were talking about dandruff earlier that we shed <laughs> our um, entire outer layer of skin once every 28 days and mm. A large amount of your the household dust in your house is your yourself. It's your yeah, skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's this sense of 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 uh, you know, like rendering foreign what is actually you and the and um and like I think that the part of the story is, you know, it's this tiger struggling to figure out, you know, who is my you know, who is me and who isn't me, who is my friend, who is my enemy, who mm. am I allowed to love? And mm-hmm. and whom should I hate? And you know, and I think this is um, you know something that we're experiencing on the level of a society and a culture, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that I mean again, I love. Let's just keep talking about dandruff. I love it. Okay, so <laughs> um, uh, but 
in terms of the sh- kind of the shedding of the body, um, that uh, it, it just gets me thinking about how, um, I, and I don't mean this in an egotistical way, but how expansive each individual self is and how, mm. how broadly we, uh, you know, we exist even, yes. um, mm-hmm. even in relative, you know, isolation. I, I'm not an enormously spiritual person or, you know, do I necessarily think about the cosmic, uh, energies, uh, ex- et cetera, very much, but I still have this, um, have, I, I, Belief, it's a belief plus doubt <laughs> about um, how are an individual's uh, subconscious or you know inadvertent um, uh, scope of influence and how, how just how broad that can be. Um, and I think that you know that like, the physical manifestation of that or the physical um, uh, element of that is how much freaking skin we just, just like talk yeah. about like confetti or all over the world or, you know, yeah. if we sneeze or, you know, in this, in this sense, uh, or in this moment in our time, you know, what germs we share with one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then yeah. also in terms of like society and, and either, you know, the, the other or the, the thinking of someone as the other who is actually, um, maybe even physically part of us now, like literally there are bits of that other on right. our bodies, you know, just like, especially yeah. in a city like New York, I, well, not these days, but before I'm sure I had bits and pieces of, you know, a thousand strangers right. somehow <laughs> right. on my body or, you know, on yeah. my clothes and then on my sure. body. So the fact that, you know, not only I come from a, a Quaker background, so I believe, you know, we believe that everyone is, is equal, um, in the eyes of either, you know, if you believe in God, then God or whatever, everyone's equal. Right. So, um, but then on top of that, you know, we are all part of one another, like as social beings, um, at least, you know, in, in a a relatively immediate circle. So maybe like the, here in New York city, the, you know, the, two million people we may may be in contact with on any given day um we're all part of one another and um so that's just definitely something that i find again both like really curious but also kind of gross (laughs) (laughs) and even through through eating i mean through the food i mean the Mm -hmm. the, the the bits of us that go back into the earth and then become the fruits and vegetables and animals and plants that we (laughs) Eden. No, I think, you know, I think what you said resonated with me very uh, uh, deeply. And I think I, I get that. Uh, I was thinking of that ticklish feeling I get from looking at your drawings, Megan, that <laughs> like physical. And I was thinking of like sort of the sympathetic reactions you get to seeing images of of other people like being tickled. If you see some, you know, a video of somebody yeah. being or whatever, you, you feel that yourself, you know, it's sort of um, almost as if you have receptors on that other person's body, or that there, there's a physical connection that's hard yeah. to explain. And it, you know, I guess it's processed in your mind, but there, there's also something I read, or I don't, you know, it could be an urban legend that somebody told me, but they sent this, there, like if you, if a bit of your tongue is cut off and mm. for a while you can still, if you put something on it, you can still taste it, or there's some 
non-physical wow. connection between the taste receptors in your brain. Again, I, I might be inventing that, but it feels... <laughs> feels yeah, it sounds cool. Let's go with it. <laughs> but it feels like really plausible in the, if, you know, if you, uh, to, me, to me, I mean, the sense that there are, there are ways of feeling that are not uh, tied to one's own body and that might be, you know, in some way accessing other people's bodies that are sort of connected um, Absolutely. Through, through other senses, visuals, visual or or just mental. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And also think that, um, you know, that there are like this, this phantom limb, uh, idea or this, you know, like a bit of body removed, uh, and temporarily is still connected. I think that there are these sympathetic experiences that we can, that can provide physical or bodily sen like experience sensations yeah. Yeah. that aren't, you know, literally connected to our bodies so um in that sense i think that's just kind of connected to that idea that we are <laughs> it sounds really hokey but like yeah. we are all one but you know what i mean like, <laughs> no, no. i mean i think that yeah connected i mean i think that's what this virus uh mm -hmm. makes us realize um really profoundly is that uh, there is you know, there's a level of survival as an individual, and then there's also the level of survival as a species. Mm -hmm. And um, this virus is sort of contesting us on that level, you know? Mm -hmm. um, um, and we realize that um, it's sort of like one organism versus another organism mm -hmm. here. And, and um, uh, yeah, there's this, like, uh, I think it can, it, it, um, it seems both true and useful to, realize that the the you know the individual is not the be all and the end all here that yeah. we are connected in in other ways and that there is um um you know um you know helping other people to be healthy and to survive is very directly connected to our own survival and health and even if we were not to survive there is a a you know a sort of a happiness or a success in having allowed other people to to do so i don't know that absolutely that, i think I th yeah, that that kind of I don't know. It's a bit transcendental, but the idea of um, the the emotions attached to um, uh, the bits that fall off. I guess I'm thinking about as yeah. well as to, to the so the, like which is what you just said. I guess that the idea of feeling happy about something which is fundamentally sad. So, but I'm, I guess I'm I'm linking it to this idea of like dandruff is sad, like kind of sad and melancholic. <laughs> There's like a melancholic quality to dandruff. You're like, oh no. Like it's kind of to do with aging, but it's also to do with like this embarrassment of like a shedding. It's just a very weird, like, you know, you're not in control of it, but it's also like, it, it, it kind of, it's it's something that happens behind your back as well, like literally, um, <laughs> which always feels hilarious. So I, I'm interested in the humor. I guess I'm looking at the humor, not in, in, in necessarily the situation we're facing at the moment, but some of these themes are really funny, right? This idea mm -hmm. of like, the fart being... Right. There's one bit in the tiger in the tiger story where there's a a, a a a tiger like a superior tiger essentially younger fitter bigger scarier that attacks the other one and farts whilst he's attacking him as if to like display that it's not that difficult and he can fart at the same time and right. and and that idea of um of what you're saying about dandruff and and even like being turned on I think at one point you were sort of talking about being turned on about your own work Megan and like when that <laughs> happens when you're making work and how self conscious that is and embarrassed like the idea of embarrassment maybe as well we're talking about um. Mm. is really interesting to me so I just wondered maybe are, are we thinking about humor or is that just something that happens as like a byproduct that accidentally happens or is it the only uh, way to cope 
Oh, absolutely. I, I, I <laughs> definitely, absolutely. I, I, uh, humor is vital. Yeah. For yeah. at least for me. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I think it's in terms of the drawings and even short stories. Mm. If, but with the drawings, if I look at it and I gotta like chuckle to myself, <laughs> it's a success. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, hey. It usually it gets that kind of, like my favorite drawings get the kind of like hey, hey, sort of reaction mm. from yeah. myself. So very important. Was that your d- the dirty laugh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, probably. Maybe sort of like, oh, you naughty thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And what about you, Raj, in terms of like the farts and that? I mean, how is the body? Yeah. I mean, the body, I, I find the body hilarious because it's so I, out yeah. of control. I, I do. I agree with you 100%. I find all of these things very funny. I don't think I think about humor um, as such because it's just like part of how I process the world. Things are funny. Mm. Even yeah. very tragic, yeah. awful, terrible things are very darkly there's a certain comic absurdity to almost everything and maybe this is just a personality or sensibility thing but it feels very true to me and so i think that's um this this when i the stories that i write are trying to capture that um that feeling and that Mm -hmm. experience of of uh the world i mean it's uh um um you know, you could. You, there's, there's much to laugh about, even you know about this, this, this virus and the, 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 the absurdity of the, the situation that we all find ourselves in. I mean, there's, I think, losing sight of that, um, that comedy is, uh, uh, that's also always dangerous. Like when I'm writing and I'm like, this is what is, what's, there's something wrong here because nothing is funny. It's like a mm-hmm. warning sign for me that I'm missing something and I'm not. There's some part of this I'm not feeling properly or not addressing and I sort of like I just sort of find out where the humor is and that's where the life is often do you think absolutely of, the same think, yeah do you think all sorts of way to access like I'm, I think I guess I'm thinking about erogenous stones now but you were saying something about um you said forms talking about the drawings Megan much earlier you were saying that they were entering or piercing another form potentially and that idea of like erogenous stones or like orifices we've talked about the mouth but mm-hmm. Um, this idea that it's it's a way to like go to some place that feels a bit naughty, dangerous, uh, unallowed, off limits. I don't know. Um, and humor is a way to like get there. Like when does mm. I mean, you know, how many times have you been having sex and it, you suddenly start laughing because it's like ridiculous. So, <laughs> I mean, we have to go into, into that. But this idea of of the um, how to access these zones. Right. I'm interested in that in terms of comfort level and humor takes us there. Maybe I don't know if you agree with that. Well, the first, okay, as you were speaking, (laughs) the first thing that was coming to mind is how funny, like, picking your nose is, and (laughs) and not just as, like, a, like, a, you know, a a joke, or, like, a, kids do that, that's gross, he, 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 but, like, it's just weird in there, (laughs) it's just a weird, weird place, which, you know, I mean, you know, may not, I don't, I, 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 um, no judgment, but I, uh, having my nose in my nostril is not an arousing (laughs) like a sexual experience for me no judgment um but in terms of like penetration and just like kind of like sensory bizarre sensory humorous experiences you know uh spaces like that that are um kind of like the 
part of the body's just like processing zones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I just think are really funny and interesting and, and also really sincere. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of my goal in, in incorporating humor is um, I, I agree with so much of what Raj is talking about in regards to like finding humor and things and having humor be like a, it, just, I mean, for me, it just, it, incorporating some element of humor I don't necessarily do it um in like intentionally but it it just it's part of how I mm-hmm. feel right I am sincere about an experience mm-hmm. of a thing <laughs> I think there's something yeah. really interesting that you said about that Raj yeah about that idea of authenticity like it's a place you trust as well yeah it's interesting yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, I, I, I'm interested that you go to nose picking straight away, which is brilliant <laughs> to me. Cause I'm like, the nose is, is something that like, sometimes my figures don't even have noses cause they're not as interesting uh, to me as like uh, belly buttons. Um, but oh, I, belly I, buttons are great too. There's junk <laughs> in there. <laughs> but I think it's a really interesting thing to think about the difference. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're going to the, the nose to think about, um, that idea of the part of the body of as a processing zone to like re-examine that area right in a different way yeah. through a different lens and question the way we just look at it to like it's about snot and expulsion of that and the kind of stopping germs getting whatever the practical processing bit of the body um, and that I'm going to bits of the body that are naturally thought to be about some other kind of erotic like that can kind of overtly erotic in a way mm-hmm. and trying to make them more about like conversation or like a nose or a, mm-hmm. a poking in your ear or that idea of docking bodies almost through different ways <laughs> yeah. Yeah. piercing yeah. forms um I think is really really uh fascinating because of the, I hadn't realized that until this conversation but we're coming to it from almost di- di- like opposite exactly opposite positions well uh, Sorry, I I just want to jump in because there is something that when Raj was talking about the virus, I there was something that's connected to what we we're talking about now, and mm-hmm. and in response to what he was saying, I um I feel that we are as we learn more about the virus and how we can our bodies can be infected by it, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm becoming more increasingly aware of different ways. But my body can be penetrated by other things uh-huh. um, and different ways that, uh, you know, I can th- either germs or whatever yeah. can interact with one another. And for me, especially just as we're talking, it's making me realize like that is part of my broader artistic mission is like that I want to expand the how we think about, um, you know, how we interact with the world. So, and be that in it, through the humor, through like, you know, these abstract forms that like kind of look like bodies, but maybe not, but what, you know, like I'm mm. having a sympathetic tickling sensation by something <laughs> that's like not, you know, that isn't a literal picture of someone tickling another person. And uh-huh. what, what part of my brain does that tickle? And that's where, so, so expanding kind of the possibility or just like, not even the possibilities, but just like an awareness, my own awareness of how, my body functions in the world and interacts with other bodies is part of my, what I aim to do. And so, um, yeah, then that includes like, okay, the nose, like the nostril, Mm -hmm. how about that is an erogenous zone? You know, like, (laughs) like, how about that one? You know, trying to to take it that way. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, again, not until this conversation, I realized, oh, that's connected to the virus and the contemporary, like, uh, you know, expansion of 
my own awareness of uh-huh. how 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 germs get around too <laughs> or like uh-huh. how I need to be cautious like at first we didn't need to wear masks and now we do and then maybe the particles linger in the yeah. air okay so you know <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah, I think this is bringing me. I mean, we might have to kind of maybe bring this to to a close on this point. But this idea of um, Raju wrote something about coming to limits of signification. So the body is like a hard limit. And I was thinking that like, we're talking about expanding the body and it being right. kind of universal and everywhere, and these these holes or orifices or you know being penetrated like <laughs> exponentially. But where yeah. are the limits? Like this hard limit, I found really interesting that you wrote about. And in terms of obviously fiction, but also um but the body coming to the limits of sig- signification um could you maybe just speak about that a little yeah. bit yeah i mean i think it's like it's something that the, my fiction is exploring um in the story about the the fake doctor mm-hmm. i was interested in this idea of you know inventing oneself which you hear about in the united states and america you know like yeah, you yeah. the american you, dream exactly mm-hmm. you create yourself you are not limited by anything and I was thinking about The Great Gatsby, uh, which is a great novel of, of self-invention. And um, I was like, well, you know, where does this end? And, you know, how far can that be pushed? And so this is, um, I was trying to create a scenario where this guy takes this to the, to the, to the limit. And, I, and the body itself, which, you know, I know it's not a fixed uh, thing. And much as we've been discussing and there um, the body has a lot of possibilities, but it's also where uh, it's also sort of um, uh, where a lot of things come to ground. You know, it's sort of like you have mm-hmm. to reconcile them with the body. And so, you know, this guy, in a very literal and almost stupid way, he's sort of like, I can be whatever I want to be, and he thinks that he can sort of like, you know, do what he wants with bodies. But he, you know. <laughs> Bootstraps medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, the case, and so and so, I think that is uh, um, uh, something that I'm constantly uh, uh, thinking about, and like the literalism of bodies. Like mm-hmm. Emma, in, in your work, you it seems you know the the juxtaposition of your titles suggests that you're taking a a phrase or a metaphor and kind of turning it into a literal, physical, um, bodily sort of image, or you know how like what mm-hmm. what if this became a a real thing what would it look like I don't know if that's the process behind it but it's sort of something that it makes about no it absolutely is um Mm -hmm. I think um the idea of um like how can I well illustrate is kind of a dirty word generally um for for artists it is like the word that means something in this context because it's I illustrate the idea um which is often an idea that is about literalizing a figure of speech, which I've taken directly from something that um, you said, Raj. Um, huh. But um, it is that's the perfect description. I mean, I'm demonstrating or acting out in these characters um, all the things that that metaphor could mean if we took it literally. And then how mm-hmm. those things are misinterpreted, misunderstood and overlaid to become this kind of nonsensical and uh-huh. also um, physical kind of the limits of that because it's a kind of about the limits of language, the limits of signification, but also the limits of how we can understand that as a reader and how the bodies start to feel when they're put to that limit, right? So mm-hmm. there's kind of all those layers of the metaphor being acted out is exactly what's happening, yeah. I feel right. like we need to do another podcast about, with all three of us, about um, <laughs> language, like how, yeah. 
a relationship with language in the body because um I mean I don't want to we don't yeah uh, I'll just throw this in there I'm really interested in um like JL Austin's work and Uh um the how to do things with words and how Uh language is like as an action is I don't know I just think that's really fascinating it is (laughs) yeah Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that yeah. idea of acting out. I mean, maybe maybe we should do like, because I also think that him, his writing is hilarious because it's so, yes, it's kind of dull. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, and it's it feels funny. so obvious in some ways. Right. You read it and you're like, I know it means something, but it, I mean, I like yeah. that idea of um, the limit of the, you know, it's something being described, but it's also, it's not an interpretation in some ways. So then we can, yeah. okay. I guess what I'm doing when I'm being literal is, um, I'm trying to think of an example now, but like the idea of pinching, um, I then think about right to pin, like to take to take um, everything with a pinch of salt. So take it with a pinch to not trust uh, something, uh. to um, pinch yourself awake, like uh, to 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 um, feel the pinch means you don't have any money, you know, to uh. sort of think about all the different ways these things are used and the meanings, and even in terms of different languages. I mean, awful is another word which we haven't come to, but this idea of it meaning like the bit that falls off the body. Um, mm-hmm. I've been interested in awful for a, for a long time and I love right. awful and I'm interested in eating it and how you know it's an organ within the body and you have that organ inside your own body often um, <laughs> and it has a function and it's keeping you alive but then you also eat it um, to give you things like iron right so it's like mm-hmm. embed- embedded with this other information um, but also in ger- it's, it comes from the German word abfall which means to fall off so you know the bit that mm-hmm. fell off which is brings us really neatly to the the, the, the dandruff <laughs> again. <laughs> so, like, so I think I think you're totally right. There's there's so much more that we could say, but I think I think we are going to have to draw it to a close. Um, sadly, but maybe this is just part one. We'll see. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, both of you. Um, I do want to end um, by asking two questions to both of you. Um, uh, so I'm going to ask uh, Megan this one first. So the the question to both of you is: Can you suggest anything? that's been helpful to you in contemplating and coming out of this lockdown. And I know that I'm in the UK, you're in the US, and this is, um, we're at different stages and phases of this moment, which is probably not static either, right? This is a very a weird shifting moment. But um, yeah. with that in mind, is there anything um, that you can just been, that has been helpful to you? Megan. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see, coming out of lockdown. So, I've had a weird sort of coming out because I've been assisting a friend who um, owns a coffee shop mm-hmm. and I have been serving customers already oh. and it feels very uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. also possible. So uh, it, I'd say in terms of helping uh, my dog, my dog's really <laughs> been helpful, <laughs> um, but that, you know, she's been... I've been staying at home when we need to stay, you know, when the orders are in place and all this. I've been trying, trying to be very cautious, but I also just have to take my dog out to pee. She just has to pee. Right. She has to poop too. So um, she's been uh, really helpful to, uh, as a companion, obviously, but also to, to just like keep me in touch with the world and sort of like help me gauge both how I'm feeling and how other people are feeling. You know, if I, if I'm feeling nervous when we're walking close to another person, I know, okay, I'm not quite ready for, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, not quite ready to go to the grocery store today, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. She's helped me, helped me um, gauge, uh, you know, my own comfort level and mm-hmm. just like remain connected with the world. 
um, even though she hasn't been the only way I have either had to or, you know, interact, uh, chosen to interact with the world. But she's definitely been the most helpful. I think also um, that reminder that yeah. you like, you still have to poo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? yeah. As a metaphor. <laughs> and I'd rather she not do it inside. <laughs> yeah. Greatly prefer that. Yeah. Amazing. And what about you, Raj? Um, well, um, I think I'm in the process of figuring it out. But I think one of the things that has been kind of amazing is this uh, the spirit of activism and collective action that has kind of swept over New York and many other cities recently. And I feel that I have been um, sort of connected to these people that I don't know when I join in a in a protest or in a, in a march mm-hmm. and in a kind of like the last few months have been lacking in the personal intimacy of seeing friends and family members and and loved ones, but has been in some ways substituted by this this larger, um, more amorphous collective kind of mm-hmm. intimacy. So that's been mm-hmm. that's been a kind of a fascinating, exhilarating kind of transitional thing, perhaps. Mm. That's really yeah. Positive. I yeah. also agree with, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that. Um, okay. Yeah, for sure. and then and uh, yeah, it's 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 something that I hope will continue as well. So yeah. hopefully, our yeah. energies can can keep keep that positivity. I think that's a lovely yeah. note as well to end on that collective, um, you know, coming together. Um, yeah. And then, um, have you learned something about yourself? So maybe I'll start with Raj <laughs> this time. Okay, yeah, I I am. I think I am learning things, both both sort of comf- good things and uncomfortable things. But it. Um, I would say this, uh, you know, just to speak sort of broadly, this situation is so odd and extreme that it is exp- it's exposing the sort of the vulnerabilities that I had been, um, you, you're sort of comfortable with living with certain, I don't know, exposures or vulnerabilities in your daily life. But then when, um, when you're in this extreme situation, um, you realize, well, you know, maybe that is something that I should address. I'm being... Um, a little bit um, broad and vague, but it could be it could be as something as simple as, you know, I'd always wanted a dog, and now mm. this situation has made me extremely feel that lack. So maybe I should maybe I should be getting a dog. You know, that's sort of, that's sort <laughs> of the thing. best. Do yeah, it. yeah, <laughs> I love it. You, you and a lot of people though. Maybe wait a little yeah. while. I don't know. <laughs> um, Maisie, what about you, Megan? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Goodness gracious, what have I learned? Yeah, again, so much. Um, I have always been a bit of a homebody. And um, increasingly in the last couple of years, I've just, I've really, um, I've become less proactively involved in um, in a kind of a creative community um, here in New York, just thinking, okay, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm here, just my home, here's my home body coming out stronger and stronger. Um, and so at the, at the beginning of, you know, lockdowns, um, I thought, oh, I got this, like, no problem. I love it. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, one, yeah. one coping, like, <laughs> this is my comfort zone, y'all just like staying home, mm-hmm. you know, doing my thing. But I really miss community. Like I really miss it. And I think I've only become conscious of how deeply, I mean, not that it can't be, you know, digital and and everything as well, but just 
ah, I really, 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 really miss it. And mm. I'm going to work to, to proactively build that up again and be, be more involved, um, day to day. Um, and because I didn't realize until later in the lockdown, how, how much it gives to me, how, how much it, it feeds me. I, I, I was otherwise, I was earlier under the impression that it was a bit exhausting, more exhausting than anything. Um, but, yeah. uh, and that, you know, kind of one-on-one -on -one experiences were more my style, but gosh darn, I really, really miss mm. communities and groups of people. And, you know, of course the uh, joining demonstrations, that is one, um, you know, way to experience that here in New York these days, but okay. in terms of a creative, you know, making community, um, it's, you know, in com ongoing conversation with one another. Uh, mm. I miss that. Mm. I really miss that. Yeah, amazing. I think that's been a really important thing for us all to learn as well. The, you know, you get out what you put in to some extent, and I think it has all become kind of work, uh, effort, etc. over various years, and I don't know, maybe it's just come to a head, and then this is our time to rethink so <laughs> maybe but anyway th that's given us so much to think on so thank are, you, are you going to tell us your um <laughs> yeah what about you yeah, out of it. Um, <laughs> i mean i guess i asked the question about i'm going to start with number two first um okay. the idea about learning something about yourself i asked that question because i felt like under lockdown it was like having a mirror to myself, like mm. literally. I mean, I'm very literal, as we've mentioned. Mm. Um, but walking around with a mirror to my inside, like, you know, whether you're a nice person, what your interior thoughts are, how you judge people, how you judge yourself, how compassionate mm -hmm. you might be, how what you're missing, what you're turning to. And I think also the idea of learning about, for me, the most powerful thing has been this connection to um maybe memory and um I've had the most positive connection to maybe people who have died and who yeah. who um you know who are no longer with us but also people I couldn't be with um and having to find ways to find connections in within myself to them in order to feel positive about it so I suppose like redressing mm -hmm. it sounds really grand but like trying yeah. addressing those connections and in a way that is absolutely not traumatic has been phen phenomenal <laughs> and it's also mm -hmm. you know from actually from food a lot of it like cooking a meal because it reminds you of the person or yeah. telling the story or ringing the person and being like remember that you know remember when you made this every Thursday and how did you do it and what's the nutmeg what's the secret um and some of it has been um through like gardening and like digging um so something that feels really like uh I don't know kind of uh old old you know like we're all getting old <laughs> but I also feel like I was already quite an old person in a young body but I, me too I, I also feel a bit old like old <laughs> like I'm kind of uh, middle-aged or something but I think also it's made me think exactly what you said, Ming, about community. I think the idea of I want to be more active, I want to be thinking about how I can help other people in a big way. So actually realizing that what you can do, well, one thing is what you can do is turn up to the studio. If you don't turn up, nothing will happen. And I think mm -hmm. that's been really important to me, realizing that I just have to turn up and it'll be fine. Um, and it always, something happens, something helps. And then the other thing, turning up for people. <laughs> so that's a big answer I guess but um and then the the first one what's been helpful this podcast has been amazingly helpful um I think it's made me connect with people um and not made me given me the opportunity to give time 
and to research to like you know to read Raj's work to go Raj can I have some more of your writing and I'll take, <laughs> read it and reread it and reread it and then find quotes and read them out to people around me and that's been so exciting and you know just mm. have the opportunity to revisit an exhibition which could have been really dismal like it didn't happen uh, yeah. uh, in the way that we hoped it might and I was supposed to go up there and see the show and see it with my family and it was a real sadness when it didn't happen mm. so, so that idea of like reframing that and being like actually this can happen in new ways so mm-hmm. that for me has been um it, this this podcast has been interesting and feels like it's been a community project and it's been driven by everyone who's part of it and can, continues to grow in that way. So mm. I'm really grateful to both of you for being part of it. Uh, oh, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and your, both your kind of uh, websites or links to to where we can find more about you will be in the podcast descriptions. Um, and thank you so much again. Thank, thank you. you. This was great. Thanks, both yeah, of you. Yeah, very inspiring. Yeah. Thank really. you both. Thank you. We'll take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is another little bonus. This is a clip from Other Life 2019, a computer-generated animation which features in the Soft Bodies exhibition which combines an ultra-futuristic, sterile and vacuous aesthetic with undercurrents of homoerotic tension. The work is in collaboration between Moore and UK-based, that's Jake Moore, and UK-based musician Semi Precious. The soundtrack by Semi Precious has a yearning mood which resonated with Moore, provoking the construction of a digital environment in which the boundaries of his lived experience could become more fluid. This track was produced, composed, mixed and sung by Semi Precious. Additional synths and piano by Ivram Barath. Mastered by Nick Powell. With great thanks to Semi Precious, Jake Moore and Castlefield Gallery. Crossing over, giving up to other life. Crossing over, giving up to Crossing over
passing over, giving up to sweet sensations on my mind. Other life crossing over, giving up to sweet sensations on my mind. Oh, 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 oh,